You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. Yes, the struggle is real, my friends, but let us help you uncover some of the mystery that is this challenging business of rock and roll. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and I am excited to be here today. As always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, a record label owner, fellow artist manager, and telekinesis expert, Mr. Mike Mowry. Um. (laughs) In the last episode, we took some questions from one of our loyal listeners who is also an aspiring manager. And Mike, he actually wrote us after listening to the episode, and uh, he said this, Hey Blasco, thanks for addressing my questions on episode 34 of Managemental. Great insights, advice as usual. I'll certainly keep focused on building the brand to get to the next level. Then he says, Side note, following the Spotify playlist episode from a couple of weeks ago, I've been DMing playlist owners on Facebook and it's working. We've gotten tracks on a handful of rock playlists that collectively have over 5,000 followers. That is a killer tactic. Thanks, Zach. So how about that shit? Dude, that's amazing. So everyone out there, you know, feel free to continue to send us what you're thinking because it's fun for us to cover it and hopefully you can get the same sort of insight and wisdom. And if you are implementing any of the things that we talk about on these episodes we'd love to continue to hear from you guys that's awesome man totally and look if you're a blossoming manager or just a a band trying to figure out um you know the digital age and spotify playlist man go back and listen to that spotify how to get on spotify playlist episodes because it's like if you look don't take it from me this guy followed the the, the episode to a T and he's been landing on playlist and, and he's, you know, he's, he's getting listeners of up to 5,000 people. So like it works, you know, if, if you follow the steps according to uh, Zach, our loyal listener. So rock on to that. Um, this week I found a great article on digital music news written by our good friend, Ari Herstan titled 11 things millennial musicians just don't get uh as usual we will include all links to the author and the article in the show notes this is going to be killer so let's get mental so mike what's new in your world oh man you know it's one of these weeks you know we're recording the week of you know after labor day weekend and I think we've said it before, but if not, you know, sometimes these short weeks, you know, you get the long weekend, which is nice. And of course, as managers and doing all the things that we do, you never truly are off, but you know, you're not on the hustle the same way that you are most days, you know, on the Monday, Uh, but it just comes back tenfold throughout the rest of the week. So 
you know, here we are this week recording on Thursday. I, you know, just put up a new tooth grinder track. They premiered one on Metal Sucks today. And yesterday, uh, we premiered a new Good Tiger track. And, um, yeah, I mean, so just a lot of stuff going on. Got bands starting tours today. It's just one of those things where September always comes in with a freaking bang and this is absolutely no exception i'm stoked about all the stuff that is going on however what about yourself same old man just you know got a bunch of records coming out in january tours same old stuff man just like you know that it just um time just moves a lot faster you know like but it felt like it felt like years ago whenever something was six months away it felt like oh we got plenty of time. Now something six months away is like so in your face, it's like not even funny. <laughs> well, you know, that, that's an interesting point, and I don't know if, if you feel the, you know, I don't know if what you're saying is exactly what I'm about to say, but what I find is no matter how far out I try to start preparing for things, and I'm a, I'm a planning guy. I'm a, you know, I'm a strategist. I always like to have, you know, the... The, the roadmap out and have my route planned. And of course, you know, we've got to be nimble and adjust on the fly as new information comes. But no matter how far in advance I plan that route, it always feels like the last minute is when every single thing gets done. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. You know, and this week, this week is no exception. We've got these two tracks, which I'm really excited about. You know, these are two bands that are going into their sophomore records. Um, you know, one's initials is GT and the others is TG. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those things where here we came in, you know, Tuesday and it was like, all right, we got to get every last thing in order. And we've done some of the planning, but, you know, just making sure all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. And, you know, uh, inevitably uh, we, we were able to get everything together and had successful premieres, you know, again, for Good Tiger yesterday and Tooth Grinder today. But, it is. That's why it sort of feels like you just get walloped with a, a baseball bat upside your head at the end of the day because you're like, holy shit, that was a mad dash to ensure that, you know, everything got done the way that we wanted it to. No doubt. Anyway, well, let's dig in. Number one, Spotify plays don't equal fans. I can't tell you how many artists I see on Spotify with hundreds of thousands or millions of streams but can't even get a hundred people out to their local or any shows or get anyone to back their crowdfunding campaign or support them really in any way whatsoever. These listeners are not fans of the artist. They are fans of the playlist. These songs got included on. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an interesting point and it's, it's nice that we, you know, re-mentioned, you know, the Spotify episode uh, that we did recently and talked about some of the strategies to get onto these playlists. I'm, I'm guessing if you really looked at what he's saying, you know, it's going to vary by genre for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, inevitably, if you end up on a bunch of playlists, you are going to get more streams than your fandom um, equals. I think a lot of the streaming services are still utilized for discovery and, you know, for people to casually listen in a way that, you know, is different than when you used to have to make that purchase. So um, I, I don't disagree with them, but I also just understand we're still in this transition and still in this flux trying to figure out exactly, 
you know, what it all means. You know, one of the tools that I'm looking at on each of the artists is, you know, the, the, the monthly listeners and, and the followers uh, on their profile page as opposed to just, okay, cool, you got one track with, you know, as he's saying, hundreds of thousands or millions of streams. What about yourself? What are you finding? Yeah, I mean, look, it's a new it's a new business and a new world that we're living in and and you know, nothing is nothing is for sure. Like, you know, before we just used to put a record out and go on tour and it was as simple as that really. Um, this is there's a lot more that's undetermined. Um, Spotify is one of those things to where if it's working for you, great, then you should double down on it. And if you if you're not finding much success on it, that's okay too, because maybe that's going to be found somewhere else. But I think it's like in the previous episode, whenever we talked about this, and we kind of broke it down to where it used to be that fandom came first, and you were a fan of the band, and then you bought their record or you listened to them in some way or whatever. Now you can listen to them first on Spotify or wherever you stream, right? You can you can sample it. And if you like it, then you can become a fan. You can buy a t-shirt, you can buy a ticket. So the roles have kind of been reversed. So, so yeah, I see what he, I see what he's saying or whatever, but I, I think the point here is, is like, just understand that a million streams only mean something in terms of business whenever that is equating to sold out shows, um, t-shirt sales, uh, independent, uh, downloads, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I think that's kind of what he's getting at. But uh, number number two, your branding and story is more important than your music. People judge you based on your aesthetic story and image long before they hit play on one of your songs, if they even make it that far. Your branding, which includes your image and your story and really your overall aesthetic, are what non-musicians, aka bloggers, talk about. Uh, they ain't talking about your drum tones, syncopated rhythms, plugins, or mixed techniques. <laughs> that, that that's pretty hilarious. And again, I mean, I think I, I think he hits the nail on the head here. And of course, you know, you and I have worked with so many musicians that you know the stuff like drum tones and syncopated rhythms and plugins and mixed techniques are very important to them um and i don't want to take anything away from those things for the artists who take pride in that stuff but simultaneously yes all of the imagery has to go together and you know this is an age-old um adage within the business is you have to tell a story what is unique about your band what is the um emotional you know what's pulling at the emotional heartstrings or mind strings to get somebody to want to dive into your music you know and and when he says bloggers he could also be talking about podcasters and one of the things you know for myself that i find so intriguing you know i listen to a lot of podcasts and many of them you know on jabberjaw do a great job of interviewing other musicians and there's times that i'll listen to an episode of a band that maybe i've i don't know if written off but i just haven't really taking the time to check them out. I'll hear the interview, really like what the person being interviewed is saying, you know, that's their story, and then be much more compelled to go and check out the music. And, you know, I just think it's so interesting um, how how often that happens in my life. Yeah, I mean, for nothing else, just something to add here is that the business 
it, and the marketplace is very, very competitive now. We're dealing with a, a much more level playing field than we ever have before. So for nothing else, uh, my suggestion is regardless of what what it is that you are, regardless of what your story or aesthetic is, you just need to be competitive. You need to be running parallel to what it is that you're trying to be, right? Like you, you're, you're sonically and emotionally and aesthetically, you have to be in line with who your competition is. You at least have to be that good. Like if you're a deathcore band, then your demo or your your songs or, or in your presentation has to be at the level of what the biggest deathcore band is, right? Like if you if you're if you're not if you're not being competitive with what the the top tier is in the genre that you want to be in, then um, you're going to get dismissed. I think that's that would be my addition to this. Yeah, I would um, agree with that. Uh, number three. Your follower numbers don't matter as much as your real life numbers. Don't tell me how many followers you have. All I care about are how many fans you have that are willing to support your career. I mean, again, I you know, I think sometimes these articles are written in a way to kind of uh, what's the word? You know, just make make an impact. And these statements are, of course. Yes, your real life fans and people that are supporting you and coming to your shows and buying your merchandise and buying your music um, is what matters, especially if you're going to try to you know sustain yourself from it. That said, having high followers isn't a bad thing. <laughs> and so, you know, it's it's definitely an indicator of whether or not people are paying attention to you, just like the Spotify plays, you know, and all of the other things. It's like, these aren't bad things to have. And usually one of them will lead to the other. It might not be, you know, exactly on um, a parallel path, but if you have a lot of followers and then you release, you know, great content, great music with a great image that typically will translate into uh, true fans. That, that's my take on it. Numbers used to matter more um, than they do now. I think numbers are subjective because everybody knows that they can be bought and they can be hacked. So now the new buzzword is conversion. So if you have numbers, that's cool. But if you have no conversion, then the numbers are completely irrelevant. Um, I'm going to, I'm just going to digress here and just give you an example. So there's a brand new band that is out that I've been following and they're called The Fever 333. And it's it's the singer of Let Live and a few other guys that I don't really know or whatever. And it's it's their new project, whatever. But it's very interesting. And, and, and for anyone listening, I, I highly recommend uh, everyone to go follow them and check them out. It's a it's an interesting story, and yeah, maybe it's a little unfair that they're kind of a supergroup, but it's it's not like Let Live was like a huge band or whatever, right? So it's like so, but just the way that they're they've reinvented themselves and um and how they're approaching this, it's like they're it, based on this article, there is a story there. Their conversion is such that the first show that they did was they rented a a U-Haul like a box truck 
pulled up to Randy's Donuts near LAX and just played in the parking lot and tweeted like a couple hours before that they were going to be playing in the parking lot of Randy's Donuts. And a bunch of kids showed up and it ended up on YouTube and it was a cool way to intro the band. Now, fast forward to two, last week, right? These guys do their first show. They charge $3.33 at the Roxy, which is a capacity of 500 people. And they sold it out. There was no opening bands. They played for like 40, 45 minutes or whatever. They, they, sold, they sold it out. Every label that the girl that programs Spotify rock playlist was there. Like it was a who's who. Even Matt Pinfield was there. You know what I mean? Like it was like, it was, it was a real thing. However, their numbers, they have like 20,000 followers on Instagram. Like it's not some, it's not some crazy thing. However, their conversion is such that they're building a buzz. They're selling out 500 cap rooms on their first show and guaranteed they will have a record deal at way before the end of this year and stuff. So anyway, that was a long digress, but it's it's something that I saw with my own eyes as potentially something that you should be looking at and paying attention to because it's the new it's the new way that these new bands are going to be doing things. Yeah, that's a really cool story and I'd seen some of that. I saw, you know, the show footage from outside of Randy's Donuts, which I thought was really cool. I hadn't caught on to the stuff that happened at the Roxy. I mean, it will be really curious to follow and see what does happen inevitably they probably will get a deal and it will be interesting to see if they can you know maintain the buzz because as we both know especially when you you know take a band like let live and so many people really you know liked that singer so in this infancy stage um you know of the new act of the new band it doesn't surprise me that they're you know they're able to convert and I'm hoping for them that they're able to convert over the long term. The question is, will that actually be the case? So that's that's going to be a fun one to follow in 2018. No doubt. Number four, you don't have to follow musical trends to make it. Don't make music you think people want to hear. Make music that is meaningful to you. You can find your audience, or rather the audience will find you if you market it properly. Yeah, I mean that's a this is a no-brainer to me and one that we've spoken about on previous episodes. You know, I've talked about artists like Carnifex and Ice Nine Kills that I've worked with, you know, and those are bands that have been around both of them a decade plus who have of course they, you know, take influence from other bands in their genres and of course outside the genres, but you know, they've really started to carve their own lane and continued to make music that is true to them. And they've tied that in with a consistent image and, you know, allowed their fans to to really continue to gravitate and follow them. So this is a really interesting one. And, you know, it's challenging because it requires patience and uh, patience is is. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a virtue, I'm told. Um, but it's so true that if you if you do what he's saying here uh, by making music that's meaningful to you over the long run if it's good um, and in fact if it's great you, you know the rewards will follow agreed number five the goal is not to get signed the goal is to make a living doing what you love if your goal is to get signed then you're going to miss 
If after building your career on your own to a level where labels are begging to work with you, then and only then should you decide if it's the best move for you. Again, these are one of those that I don't know exactly who this article is, you know, targeting. Genres are different and worlds are different and bands at different stages in their careers are, of course, different. I think that this one at... Um, face value makes a ton of sense. You know, your goal shouldn't just be to get signed. We both have seen and talked about building leverage so you can get a deal that, you know, is fair to you um, and allows a label and their team to invest in you and hopefully, you know, be able to utilize their resources to get you, you know, more opportunities. But if the goal is just to get signed and thinking that a label um, or anyone is going to then just, you know, rub the rub their magic fingers together and make opportunities happen, that's that's never going to work. It's it's kind of funny in that I have, a you know, I've got a I've got a band on a major label and um, we're we're about to deliver the last record on the contract you know that we're contra- we're contractually obligated to a certain amount of records right and we're about to put out that last one and so now it becomes the the time where we go well do we renegotiate with them right and 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 continue to work with them or do we just you know figure out what our other options are right and so as i'm talking to the label at this point i'm going guys look you you're the label and and you and from what i understand you you'd like to keep the band but this is our last record with you so you're going to need to take some accountability as to what it is that you're offering a band in 2018 2019 right because i don't need to be on a major label to not get on the radio i don't need to be on a major label to not get on late night tv right like i like I don't need a major label to get on Spotify. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, where is there, I mean, is there even going to be like, if, if let's just say that I put out another record 2019, 2020 is, is the conversation of needing a sales department to move pieces of plastic with music on it into big box retailers, even a real conversation at that point. Like, I mean, it's fucking insane. Like what, like, you know what I mean? And and, and it, you look at these like other bands or whatever, and, and we've and we've gone over this subject multiple times of like, you know, building your leverage, building, building your brand, making, building your value. And then, and like he's saying, then you make a decision based on what the label can offer. But you look, man, in my opinion, by my observation, by and large, labels have a lot less, less to offer these days. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. And earlier this morning, I was talking to, uh, you know, a guy that's in what I would now consider a legacy band, you know, within the, the scene or, you know, within the underground music community and just catching up, shooting the shit. And he was talking about the same thing. You know, what is it that a label is going to do for me? But he was very cognizant of the fact that, you know, yes, if he wants to retain his own rights and figure out how to do it on his own, that means that He's got to actually do and and string together all of those things, you know, on their own. When when I worked with Periphery, you know, we were we licensed their, you know, we had deals in five different territories. And don't think for a minute that it wasn't me and my team 
you know, of course, along with the band that had to do so much of the, you know, the heavy lifting and coordination to ensure that every last licensing partner, because in a licensing deal, the label has a different obligation, you know, in a different relationship than as, you know, the, the signed label itself. So I think we're in these very interesting times. And what I'm finding and seeing is, you know, the ability to market um, a band you know, is just as important as, you know, the ability to, like you said, distribute, get it into big box, you know, is late night TV even where you need to be headed nowadays? You know, I, I don't think so. I think we're seeing people on platforms like Spotify getting more attention and more streams than any of the impressions that they're getting from things like late night TV. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take late night TV if a major label can get that for you. But it's just not moving the needle the way that it once did. Yep. Uh, final number six. If all your eggs are in Instagram, you are doomed. Yes, Instagram is the hottest social app out right now. At one point, the only online presence that mattered for musicians was MySpace. Those that didn't grab their fans and transfer them to a database they owned, uh, for example, email list, lost contact with all of their fans when MySpace died. Don't ignore the social sites where your fans exist, but also have a way to keep in touch with them uh, that isn't dependent on the whims of the latest hot social app. This is really strong advice, and it's, it's actually incredibly hard to follow because it does take a lot of work to actually get, you know, them to convert and run over and, and sign up for something on an email list. But there are some strategists out there, um, you know, that, that really have a toolkit for people to follow, for bands to follow, to ensure that they are capturing people's emails. Um, because inevitably, email does seem to be the thing that's going to stand uh, at least the, you know, forthcoming test of time. So I think that this is great advice. Um, you know, just fair warning, uh, it is a challenge to, to do. You know, we're all about trying to promote, 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 and engage, 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 and the social platforms are the easiest places to do it. Um, just as a quick aside before, you know, you chime in with, with your opinion, I was having a conversation yesterday about the setup of a release, and we were talking about where we were going to spend our, you know, online marketing dollars, and I asked, you know, specifically about Instagram, and, you know, the label in question was saying, Look, we do get that it's, you know, the hottest social app right now, but we're not seeing the return. We're not seeing the conversion from the dollar spent there as opposed to the dollar spent on, say, a Facebook ad or, or you know, doing stuff through even YouTube. So, yeah, uh, in interesting side note. So I recently ran a poll on a, a band's Twitter account, and it was uh, something along the lines of if we have some, um, you know, groundbreaking hot news that you need to know about from this band, how would you like to hear about it? Like in, by what platform would you like to hear about it? Right? So we, we ran a poll and the four options were, um, number one, email, number two, website, number three, social, you know, social media sites. And then number four, texting, right? So as a somewhat of a revelation, dead last, the website. Kids do not give a fuck about going to a website. Um, th the interesting part is second to dead last, emails. 
because these younger kids, and I don't know what it is about like e- like the aversion to email, but like these kids, man, they're just not like, they just don't get it. Like, oh, I don't check email. Like, oh, I don't, I don't do email. And it's like, a, to me, it's such a head scratcher in that, but it's on the same device. It's, it's like, it's technically almost the same as texting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like it's just such a fucking like weird fucking dynamic to me. Anyway, but then what? Thirty percent of the vote was texting, and then the then the grand winner was um, social media. So obviously, keep to the social media. No one's saying that. But as a potential option addition here is maybe something to consider if your demo is uh, appropriate for it, look into options for text marketing. And maybe instead of acquiring email addresses, you should be acquiring phone numbers. Just throwing that yeah. out there. Yeah, I mean, that that's fantastic advice. And I think, you know, even on my end, texting cuts through the clutter in a different way. And I think it's because you don't get or I don't get a ton of notifications from people. Um, you know, my research, which it's been a little while since I've done any research on it, but it's that, you know, those texting, um, you know, options typically are much more expensive than, you know, being able to send out an email list. Now, of course, you've got to spend some time and figure out, okay, you know, you can send out a ton of emails, but are you getting any return? I, you know, I do know Warp Tour did a good job of sending text updates uh, throughout the summer and, you know, they also send emails and I looked at both of them, but texts, you know, that was something that popped up and it wasn't cluttered with all of the other, you know, you and I get hundreds of emails every single day. So it, that is, it's cool that, you know, this is what I love about the fact that you and I each have our experiences and are able to share these real life examples. That's awesome that, that you did that poll. And I, and I think, you know, the demographic, um, really does play a role in that so thanks for doing that absolutely well that concludes episode 35 thanks to everyone for tuning in we will be back here next week in the meantime you can find me on twitter and instagram at blasco1313 We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. Because, hey, people, we do this show for you. Consider it a tool for understanding this ever-so-challenging and confusing business of music. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Loop. Uh, lots of exciting things happening in the month of September and for the rest of the year. So don't hesitate to, to throw a follow there and see what we're up to. Um, as always, I'll remind you that uh, thanks for listening. And if you're so inclined, we would appreciate you rating and reviewing this podcast wherever you are doing so. Uh, whether it be the iTunes store, um, SoundCloud, or anywhere else for that matter. And um, other than that, uh, thanks again. I can't believe we're 35 episodes deep, but uh, it's always exciting and looking forward to connecting once again next week. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, everybody. Peace.
This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.